the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the Cover 3 Podcast. I'm Bud Elliott. That's Denny Cannell. That's your Andrew Ivins. We're all pretty tired here at the end of yet another National Signing Day. A lot of drama today, a lot of fun. Top prospects go into all the schools. Let's go ahead and start with that drama, though. We get word early this morning from Cormani McLean's mom via Twitter. That is the number one cornerback in the country at Lakeland High School. He's a Miami verbal commit. Andrew, you were actually at his commitment ceremony back in the day, which feels like it was just yesterday. (laughs) And now he's not going to sign on National Signing Day. Yeah, this one's got some legs to it, some layers, I would say. I mean, when he picked Miami over Florida – back in, what was that, October, right before Halloween. That was the shocker, kind of of shockers. We all thought it was Florida. He shows up to his commitment announcement ceremony. Mom tells me what they're going to do with this whole thing. Everyone's going to talk. There's going to be people giving a presentation. Next thing you know, he grabs a microphone and puts on a Miami hat. I was shocked. I I was like, is this real? I'm like, hey, Cormani, can you do that again? We didn't even have the cameras rolling. And sure enough, Miami was the pick. And it seemed Miami was going to be the school. Alabama, two weeks ago, sounds like he's going to take an official visit to, to Alabama. Has to take the ACT so he doesn't do it. Well, anyways, fast forward to this morning. Something hit my text messages. Hey, Miami's kind of worried about Cormani McLean. right? Text my guy there. Oh, we think he's still asleep. It's like 9, 18 in the morning. I'm like, what do you mean? Cormani McLean's still asleep. And then his mom puts the tweet out there that he's not signing early. So that's that's the big development. I mean, this is our number one ranked corner. We know how much corner or how important corners have gotten in football at all levels. And uh, Miami's probably going to go to sleep with that that LOI. Do you? So this is eerily familiar for me as a Florida State guy because it wasn't that long <laughs> ago. I remember Travis Hunter was the one, and you know, all of a sudden I started seeing on social media there's rumblings. Hey, he's not solid, and he was rock solid for like two to three years to Florida State. And then, of course, Dion swoops in. The rest is history. I saw some of the rumblings that maybe it was Dion was behind some of this indecision. Is there is there anything to that aspect yeah, of there this? There is. There is. So Steve Wiltfong, our, our director of recruiting, he ha- he sent me a photo of uh, of Cormani, I think, FaceTiming Coach Prime 
So I think Colorado's involved. Now, do I think Cormani's headed to Colorado? I, I don't know. I mean, he's never been out to Boulder, at least to my knowledge. I mean, last year, a lot of people don't know, Travis Hunter slipped into Jackson yeah. State when he was committed to – In like October. Yeah, yeah, when he was committed to Florida State. So I've always thought Cormani wants to go to Florida. I think that's where he feels the most comfortable. I don't know if the Gators are really involved here, but I do know Alabama was at his school two weeks ago. We talk about Alabama potentially – surpassing Texas A&M with that number one class. I, I think you got to think about it. They need a corner in, in the class. So I, I think Alabama or Colorado are the two. That, that makes a lot of sense. And look, even if Dion is not going to sign Cormani McLean, the, the fact that Dion played corner and Dion is really good at getting attention on Dion and by proxy his new program, it absolutely makes sense for him to get it out there that Colorado is involved. Like Colorado, and we'll talk about this in a segment coming up, did not have the best of signing days, but yet they're still finding ways to get in the news, to stay in the news, right? So it wouldn't shock me if he ended up at Colorado. I mean, it would be a surprise. I think you probably have to think, you know, Bama, maybe sticking with Miami, maybe Florida. I mean, like Florida and Miami have had some knockdown drag outs this year when it comes to recruiting, right? We, we, we just saw Fletcher. You had the Rashada back and forth. Florida and Miami were both involved with, with Samson Oak and Lola, the five-star offensive tackle. Maybe Florida strikes back here. At Miami, but like this is kind of the number one drama of signing day that we are still following. If you guys are just tuning in, appreciate you guys hitting like and subscribe on that channel, by the way. All right, from a team that you know, had a good signing day in Miami, but not a great one, to a team that had an absolutely great one, and that's Oregon. So, a couple of days ago, they do lose more the quarterback to UCLA. That's a huge loss for an Oregon program that, like, that kid's a stud. I mean, he's you know, top three rated player. Really, really good player. They go down to Baylor, and they take Austin Novosad away from Baylor. Flip him. They stay in Texas. They get Peyton Bowen, five star or four star safety from Notre Dame. Like that's a really nice haul for Oregon. We were asked this on the show. If you took Dante Moore, right? So think of this through the NFL lens. Dante Moore, number three pick, right? Yeah. Potential first round. Guy, it's like Oregon traded back and then just added a bunch, right? They started the morning ranked 14th, I think, right now. They're number seven. Um, won some massive battles. DJU's brother, uh, Mateo Young Concrete is his nickname. <laughs> he picks the Ducks over USC and Ohio State. Uh, Peyton Bowen, we thought maybe Oklahoma would flip him from Notre Dame. He flips to Oregon to play for Dan Lanning. I, I, I love what they did. I mean, Steve Wolfong kind of raised the flag a week ago, said, hey, they're going to be the most exciting team. And sure enough, they were. They shot up in the rankings. And I, I think it's a group that the new look Pac-12, right? USC, UCLA, they're on their way out. Well, now Oregon is going to be the cream of the crop there, right? Yeah. You, you would think if these guys pan out, it, it's going to be awesome. Oregon's desire to win a national championship before Phil Knight moves on, right? I mean, he's 82, 83, yeah. has been one of the worst kept secrets that's out there. I mean, they want to bring a championship there to Eugene. I think this is exactly why they bought Dan, uh, brought Dan Lanning out there. Young, energetic coach who has a good to great defensive mind, but more importantly, he's a good to great recruiter. And I think you're seeing some of the fruits of that right now. I mean, this is exactly why they brought him out there. Yeah, he worked for Kirby Smart in Georgia. They've yeah. been in some heavyweights <laughs> battles you yeah. know in the alley in the 11th hour like that's why he was there and we kind of wondered he's not a west coast guy how's he going to fit in there in eugene and we're seeing and i think his first year too to have as much success i know it's probably not the success they wanted towards the end of the season but the fact they were in 
the Pac-12 championship race, the fact they got Bo Nix coming back, announcing that a couple weeks ago. I think all those kind of momentum plays absolutely played a right. part and, in this. And sure, we're in the NIL era, right? All that drives conversation, but Oregon's still kind of cool to the kids because they got good facilities and yeah. sexy uniforms. Like yeah. I still think that matters like a little bit. There is no doubt about it. And look, Dan Lanning is, you know, he coached in the South, but he's not necessarily like, like a Southerner. So I think he actually plays better than maybe some people would think out there. And I think it's a savvy hire that he goes out to UTSA, Dan Lanning does, to get Will Stein, the offensive coordinator, as Kenny Gillingham leaves for Arizona State. Because like, where did Oregon have a ton of success today? In the state of Texas. I, I bet you that hire had some help there. Yeah, and Austin Novosad is a guy that probably isn't discussed a lot on the national level. He was an Elite 11 finalist. He can throw it all around the yard. Someone I've been tracking for a long time, even though I'm in Florida, just knowing about him. And Will Stein comes from UTSA. He probably knew he could never get Austin Novosad to be a roadrunner and play in the Alamo Dome. But hey, now I'm at Oregon, and they snuck him in for an official visit, and boom. That got the morning started at 8 a.m. It, it, it really did. So I, I think you can see some big things coming for Oregon down the stretch. I expect them to be active in the transfer portal as well. And Novosad was a kid that AM wanted. It's a kid that Ohio well, State that, had interest that, in. That's the know? other thing. Yeah, he did the whole tour. He was committed to Baylor early on, did the whole tour in the summer, and said, hey, I'm sticking with, yeah. with Baylor. And then there was another, another a third recruitment, essentially, and he picks Oregon. Like That says a lot about, again, closing ability. Uh, in the 11th hour. It really does. So from one team had a great signing day to another one, Alabama. Now we've talked a lot like, hey, did they waste Bryce Young? Did they waste Will Anderson? If you judge it by, did they win a ring? Then I think the answer is kind of, yeah. Although they, I guess as, as, as freshmen in, in 2020, they did take home one. But this Bama class right now, I think they have 10 players rated in the top five at their position nationally. And that's not even including the junior college guys. This is a sick class. Like if they land Corvani McLean, they're going to have the number two class of all time, trailing only that thing that we sat in this very studio last year talking about <laughs> with, with what Jimbo brought to, you know, to College Station last year. I mean, where do we even start? Do we okay. want to go Caden Proctor? This is, this is where we start. They signed 27 guys, okay? The industry, recruiting industry, all but one of them are ranked four stars or higher, okay? <laughs> the 27th guy is the three-star kicker, our number two kicker. He went 15 of 17 this season with a long of 51 yards. So he's pretty good. Yeah. I'm just saying, like top to bottom, there are difference makers all over. And I think a lot of them are actually going to have to play. You look at Alabama's too deep. We've talked about it uh, at last night. You know, they, they lose two offensive, they return just two, probably yeah. two starters in the offensive line. So Caden Proctor, a guy they take from Iowa, you would think you could pencil him in. Caleb Downs, the safety from Georgia, he's the safest player in this cycle. He's going to play. Like, he will have to play in 2023. So, to me, this signals that Alabama's not going away. I think Saban's going to ramp up and go for at least one more. I Yeah. He's going to – I mean, but this is more of the same, right? When your blue chip ratio has him at, what, 89 90% of the yeah. roster was four and five stars, this fits that. But I do think, to me, it shows you there was a fire that was lit under Nick Saban and this staff when they're sitting there watching Kirby build Alabama East. And everybody's <laughs> mm-hmm. talking about there's this transition of power – Saban as the ultimate competitor is showing he's not going down without a fight. What I do think is interesting is what you mentioned, Andrew, about the, the amount of young guys who might have to play right away at critical positions. I mean, uh, offensive linemen, you know, traditionally, it's a big <laughs> jump for them, probably more so than most, especially when the SEC having to pass block and the, the transition at quarterback. You know, that to me is going to be the most significant you know, position that they'll have to yeah, address. I think they're still going to get some portal guys. Tyler Steen, who started at left tackle, being the senior bowl. I mean, they didn't get him until the summer months. So 
they're going to go get these guys, but how how do they put them in there? I thought they might look at a transfer portal quarterback. They still could. Yeah, we don't know yeah. who's going to enter. I, I think that makes some sense. We, we know they like Ty uh, Simpson, and, and we saw what Jared We know they have five mil to offer. Is that what we, <laughs> do we know that or not? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's a really interesting point, though, is that like they are they take these 27 kids, and they're all you know four or five stars, but they're definitely not done. Like Bama's going to have to go portal if they want to. And Nick Saban's getting up there in age, just like you, you mentioned Phil Knight, right? Like, not saying he's done, but he's certainly on more of the tail end of his career age-wise, if, if not success-wise. They're going to have to be really active in the portal. And it, it does make you wonder, what do, do we care about certain positions at the high school level more now than, than we used to? Or do we care about certain positions less than we used to because of what is available and, more importantly, what is not available in the portal? You know, well, you look at this stuff. The schools want the same things. Everyone's looking for an offensive tackle. Yeah. And everyone wants a pass rusher. So I think if you can go out and secure those individuals and grow them in-house, you're playing now with house money, right? right. You, you built them, you developed them. We know Alabama's going to develop guys. Like getting Caden Proctor is a huge deal. And I think if you're an Iowa fan, you have to be so pissed that Mario Cristobal is at Miami because Francis Malagoa, our, our number two tackle, and every other year that kid is ending up at Alabama. They right. go into IMG and get what they want. But now Mario's there. He gets him and he gets – the, the number three tackle, Samson Okamola from up in Massachusetts. So, yeah, you know, we can debate whether LSU has the best O-line class or Alabama. Alabama has a great one. Uh, and then what they did on defense today, James Smith, Quay Rousseau. I mean, they're loading up at the premium positions. And wide receivers, one I kind of got circled. They got Malik Benson, our, our top junior college guy. He's probably going to have to come in and play. I mean, Alabama, yeah. like, they took their wide receiver room and, like, kicked eight of them out. Yeah. And now there's like four guys. <laughs> so, so. Well, I mean, they, they went portal heavy last year, and they they kind of missed on it. And, and Nick Saban does not strike out often, but like that was a bit of a strikeout that they had at the at the receiver position last year through the portal. So, I think you're gonna have to attack portal again. Now, I will say, portal wise, this is a great year, I think, in the portal for receivers. I mean, I was talking to a coach last night. And he's like, "Man, I got a guy trying to jump in the portal for my team at receiver. I'm helping him pack his bags. Like, we're, yeah. we're, we're gonna replace you. We're gonna somebody even better in here because like there is a lot of guys." who are proven, productive. I don't have to guess, can they run routes? I don't have to guess, can, can they read coverages and sit down? Like that, I know. And so I, I think Bama's receiver room will probably improve quite a bit in the portal. And that's where I think it's so valuable of getting the transfer guys because you've seen them with pads on. There's so much that takes place in seven-on-seven seven camps. Yeah. Guys light it up. They flash in high school. And one of the biggest jumps you're going to have to make is, all right, how can you get off press with pads on when it's a little more physical? Is he going to go over the middle? Is he going to have alligator arms when he goes there? So if you've got film on a guy – you know, academically, he's gone. He's, he can go out there. He can, you know, absorb a playbook and he can execute it. That's a huge asset. That's what I was going to say. I mean, he's been in a strength program. Yeah. He's had a, I mean, you you played. Like, how important is, like, that first year? I mean, Huge. I mean, I put on 15 pounds. Probably 10 <laughs> of it was muscle. Five was maybe some other stuff that was taking place in Tallahassee. But it is. Like, you're – the jump is massive. And some guys get completely lost in that first year, you know, and they'll get lost in the wash and you'll never see some of them. They wash out and never get to play again. They just can't handle the load because it is you are going to a full time job and you're they say 20 hours. It's way more than that. But then you have class. You have to stay academically eligible. All of it together is just a massive jump that you've got to acclimate to. Some guys get homesick. You don't know if they're going to show up. You know, there's just so many different things that go into it. So if you know at least a guy has survived that and he's had a little bit of success, then you can feel really good. Okay, what can we do with this guy who's at least at this stage? And that's I'm curious to know what you think about the the impact it's having on the high school recruits because all I hear 
is this is killing high school. This is killing the high school recruits. And while I don't think it's killing the four and five stars, those guys' opportunity is going to be there. Is it killing like three stars or is it still even those guys are finding space? I think those guys trickle down a little bit further, right? Uh, I think, you know, we had Tom Herman on for, for FAU. Like his class is going to be better. I don't think the transfer portal is the big reason that's killing high school recruiting. It's the COVID years, yeah. the six yeah. years. Everyone's like, hey, yeah. well, why I can not go back? Yeah, like, <laughs> why, or we'll go take that guy, you know. So that that's the issue. We'll, I, I think we, we need to know in a year or two if everything stays the same what the real ripple effect is. But I tell kids, I mean, they consult me, their coaches. I'm like, just go somewhere where it's a fit and there's an avenue and route to the field, right? Because we know that the power fives are looking down to the G5s to get guys exactly that are seasoned, I think would be a good word, that have been through it. Uh, and you know how they're going to react when the lights come on. Do you want, quickly, you want my theory on what we're going to see happen in yeah. college football? So I, you know, I played baseball as well. I played minor league baseball. I think what we're seeing is a minor league system kind of organically develop where, you know, if you're really good, you get drafted, you can start, they'll stick you in AAA right away. So let's say that's the SEC or Big Ten. Maybe you're a three or four star, you're not quite as good. You get groupified. As soon as you're kind of slotted double A, if you're barely good enough, you know, you go single A, which may be, you know, a FCS program. But then what happens is if you if you rake at the single A level, guess somebody's going to come grab you. If you rake at the double A level, somebody's going to come pluck you and bring you up to triple A. And like we're seeing JT Daniels, guys, start in AAA if you're not good enough. Sometimes you got to go down to AA. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. And I think financially it'll line up as well. But you'll kind of see this minor league system, which we've always had. Yeah. But with the free movement, I think it's going to speed up those processes that take I, place. I talked to a coach last night, and, and he actually comped it to college baseball, right? And yeah. he's at a G5, and he's like, look, I'm not looking for the guy that's going to go to the NFL because then he gets drafted up. Like, you know, if you're a college baseball coach, you worry – about the players that you sign being too good and never making it to campus because they go to the baseball draft and they get picked highly and they get signing bonus out, right? You need to find, like, signability is a big-time factor in college baseball recruiting. I think we have a signability element here with college football at the G5 level where you want to get guys that are going to be really good players but not so freaky athletic. Like, you don't want to get these super raw kids at the G5 level because the time you, you develop them work. and they <laughs> yeah. hit, yeah, then yeah. they're going to portal out, right? Like, I was talking to him, he's like, honestly – we got a good ball club coming back because I got a bunch of guys who are just good football players, but they're not freak athletes. They're not going to be on Andrew's freaks list. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'll add, I was talking to a, a really good recruiter and we were out of school. This was two weeks ago in, in Miami Dade. And he's like, I got to talk to this kid. I'm like, you're not signing him. He's like, I know I'm waiting for him to be in the portal next year. And yeah. now I'm building that relationship. Like when we miss on a kid there, it's a, you know, we'll, we'll see you later. It's, there's no hard feelings anymore. I think, yeah. Man, things have changed. We got cussed out by the guys that we didn't. We turned down. I had so many of my teammates got chewed out and MF'd. It was so bad. Yeah, now you got to be nice. You never know what's yeah. going to happen. I mean, like, isn't that what Georgia was doing down the stretch last year with Travis Hunter? I, I think they knew, like, they were not going to get him. I mean, Kirby Smart flew a helicopter to a Collins Hill game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. There was probably somewhere else he could have been that night. Mm -hmm. and, and they were still chipping away we at still that. We still care. We still care. <laughs> All right, so not, not that anybody would have secured the bag back when Danny was getting recruited. Of course not. And no. the NIL is an entire, entirely new new concept here. Jordan, if you want to put this up on the screen, I was curious about, about this, this tweet today uh, from Matt Rule. Mm. Uh, we've got a, a, a duck and a, a bag sign. And that, is that a, a ghost? ghost? Yeah. And then we have the canes. The canes up to you. and a bag yeah. sign. So we didn't ask Matt Rule about this when he was on, on air with Josh Payton, but I'm kind of curious. Like what, 
Danny, what's your interpretation of this tweet from Nebraska coach Matt Rule? Well, I know what the bags are. Those are bags <laughs> of cash. I know that. And we went over the ducks. I am curious, like the ghost fate, like what is the ghosting aspect of it? I, I don't know. Like, are, are we aware of the, of the ghosting aspect that's, here? That's the boogeyman. That, that, that's that's <laughs> that, the collective. Or the bagman. Or the boogeyman. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. boogie well, remember I said the, the other day on our, on, our, on our cover three, I still think the bagmen exist. There are some, especially for, sure. for the high school level, because – Technically, you're not allowed to secure NIL deals in high school Can't just be an for them inducement to, play, inducement to yeah. play. So I still think there are absolutely bags of cash that are being left at doorsteps. And for <laughs> What I heard and, is some people don't even want the money from the collectives anymore. Right. It's too legit. Right. Yeah, you they want don't it. want it taxed. Yeah, they they tax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So NIL is obviously popping in the chat a lot. What, what do we think these like five-star quarterbacks are actually getting? I know we've seen like some reporting on it. it if you're a five-star quarterback out there, if you're repping them, are you expecting to, to get a million a year from I mean, school? I would think so, yeah. Yeah. What about other positions? I feel like that's where there's a lot less clarity, though. Well, I think, but me and you always talk about roster management, roster building, and all that stuff. I think it comes down to the premium positions. Yeah. Pass rusher, pass protector. I, I think that's I think that's right. I think there's a massive drop-off between the, the franchise quarterback, if yeah. you will, and then the next position, even if it's a lineman or a, a defensive pass rusher. I think some of these schools, though, will up the ante to get, you know, a highly ranked got non-premium position player. And I think that's how some of these classes were built. I, I, th- yeah. I think that's that's fair. Uh, also, if you're a kid and you're holding out, as long as you're willing to chase the bag and go wherever you get the highest offer, which is an important part of this thing, because like if you want to go to a certain school, you may need to commit early to secure your spot. But like if you're a really good player, a lot of schools are going to wait on you, and there's going to be some collectives out there that didn't get to spend all their money. And yeah. you may be a kid that cashes in just because they got to spend it on something so they can you know, impress the people that are donating. I'm curious to see what program figures out, because I know there's multi-year deals, right? Because you sure. don't want to get burned. You want to waste a million bucks and see a guy transfer and hit the portal in a year because he didn't win the starting job. So what I think is going to be interesting is if somebody figures out, all right, we want to – and we've heard about some of these multi-year deals, right. but – since they're not supposed to be an inducement to play, it's really hard to enforce. But can some program create an NIL opportunity that does require you to stay or you lose your money? And now you can go secure the I'm sure you can get another deal somewhere else. Well, but it may not be as lucrative if you didn't win that job. They asked, we had to do a segment on the show. Hey, uh, you know, can these freshmen play? I'm like, yeah, they're going to play because if they don't play, they're right. going to leave and they're right. going to go get money somewhere else. Like, right. No, it, it really is is interesting. One of the things here, though, is you can structure it that way. If the kid says peace and he already you know took the front end, are you going to be the school or the collective, like the first school to sue a kid? Right. No, probably not. And in turn, what if the kid's like, no, you need to pay me the rest of my contract? And you're like, well, no, because you have to be here in not on this college campus, of course, but maybe in this city to fulfill your obligation to, to us. Is he going to turn around and sue you? And your defense is, you're probably just going to pay these guys out. There's going to be guys that double dip this thing, take the bag, hit the portal, and go go where they maybe really wanted to go or just a, a better fit for them. At least term. maybe hopefully they do it in different years because I know like, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of speculation that Jordan Addison got some bag at Pitt and then got the bigger bag at USC and uh, might have doubled I, I think it that way. Narduzzi's comments yeah. would, would lead me to believe that. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. 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 Narduzzi is not afraid to, uh, to talk no. about NIL. I mean, this no, is... and it's good. We need more coaches that are going to – because I think every coach that I've talked to is extremely frustrated with the lack of oversight. With the, and like the, 
the zero structure aspect to this, which is great for us. And it's great to be, I mean, there is no better time to be a college you know, prospect or a college player than now. You have more leverage and more power than an NFL you know, player. Because yeah. you are when you were drafted that team, you are bound to them. When you sign a free agent deal, you are bound to them. College, you can hop every year. It's like, it's at least as soon as you graduate, too. Yeah. And if you if you're smart and graduate fast and get it in three years, you can bounce and go to three or four different well, schools. Some of the schools or quarterbacks in the portal apparently aren't going to class. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is actually a really interesting supply and demand thing, right? So you know, last night, Florida took Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, who has not had a great career so far. And they're hoping he's going to be able to work out for them. And maybe he will. I, obviously, I, I interviewed Graham before. We covered him at the Army game. Like He had some talent. Maybe he can work out there in Gainesville. But I do think we have a situation here where certain teams are locking up their star quarterbacks at, you know, at, at the P5 level, like obviously Drake May is staying at North Carolina, at least based on all indications, but also at the G5 level. I mean, Frank Harris stayed at UTSA. Michael Pratt stayed at Tulane last night. And that has shrunk the supply of quarterbacks. And I think it actually makes these high school kids more valuable because throughout the history of the portal so far, and there's been guys in there who are really good. Justin Fields, Caleb Williams. And this year, I don't think we have a Justin Fields or Caleb Williams in the portal, at least not yet, right? Like, right. who is that stud in the portal that everybody's going after? Like, will it be Sam Hartman if he jumps in after the bowl game? I don't know. Maybe he does, or maybe he's just like, hey, I'm 28 years old or however old this dude is. Like, I'm just going to go to the NFL. Yeah. So I, I think to Andrew's point about the premium positions being the most valued, I think quarterback maybe returns as an even more premium position than normal because this year you can't count on the portal being your savior at every position every year. We knew that with tackle. Like A.J. Cornelius will commit on 24-7 sports here in about – maybe he's doing it right now, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's 6.30. That guy's from Rhode Island. I mean, like that is, it's a hard position to find. Other positions, though, may not be quite as plentiful as we once thought they would be, at least on a consistent year-to-year basis. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out. Coming up on the other side, more of the National Sunny Day takeaways, including a breakdown of Texas and Colorado's class. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. One team, though, that did nail quarterback this year is Texas. And they didn't have, like, the noisiest signing day but I think it's still worth talking about because they, they have to get this right with with Coach Sarkisian. They landed to Sulia Kana, who announced yeah. in Hawaii with like the most picture-esque <laughs> backdrop. I was like, I want to – are you at a yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, that was a big win and because, uh, as Blair Angulo, who was on the set with me, pointed out, I mean, everyone thought he was going to Oklahoma, right? And then Louisville came in at the 11th hour. Colorado came in at the 11th hour. And now he goes to Texas. And we're talking about conference realignment. Texas in 2024 is going to be in the SEC, right? You need point of attack players. Tasuli yeah. Akana is a guy I, I've been comping all day to, to Jalen Phillips, and, and and you know he's someone that you, you start pairing him with an Anthony Hill, our number one ranked linebacker. Like their front seven is going to look pretty good, and we know you need that in the SEC. So I think Texas had an awesome day, and just getting Arch Manning's signature in the first place is a big deal. 
I think it's a deal that's going to keep reverberating too. Like it's not just like some of these kids, hey, I'm the leader of the class in this year. I think Texas will have an arch mending effect that also extends into next year's recruiting class as they go to the SEC, even if he doesn't play a lot. I'm sure he'll play some because they have Quinn Ewers there. But like who knows if he wins the job? But that's got to have some staying power, right? Yes, absolutely. He'll still have relationships with guys he's met playing in, you know, playing in high school. Um, and it's just easier now to communicate with other players around the country. So he can be, which is what we saw when he committed in the first place, right? All of a sudden, instantly, he's like the Pied Piper, brings in a bunch of talent with him, is able to secure that. So it's probably a huge reason why Texas is there. And I think that'll carry over to next year, too. My thing with Texas isn't at all about the talent. They've had top five classes, top ten classes. It's all right, now it's on Sark. You have to do something differently that at the end of the Mac Brown era, the Charlie Strong, Tom Herman, that they weren't able to do was to actually cultivate that talent. And it's going to get a whole lot you know, tougher when he goes to the SEC too. So it almost feels like this year is sort of imperative for Texas to deliver on some of these yeah. recruits before they jump to the SEC because that's when you could see a setback. But you've got to capitalize on this momentum now. I do think they've hit on some of these linemen that they signed in last year's class and the prior Kelvin class. Like Banks. Kelvin Banks is yeah. a stud. Mm-hmm. And they, they got more young guys, the right body types that I think you want. And I honestly, that's probably one of the main reasons Arch Manning committed there. I mean, look, you got Steve Sarkeesian who has put guys in the NFL. You know you can generally trust him to score points. You may not have to start as a true freshman if you're Arch because they do have Quinn Ewers. But it's that you know great wall of Austin they're building there. Like yeah. I mean, you play QB, like it's and, great. absolutely, and yeah. I, that's got to be the priority. But I also think it helps that they have a collective they've named just for the offensive line. Now every, I would guess every SEC program probably has some similar pay scale. Yeah. But just the fact they made it their own and call it the Pancake Factory and are able to market that as well as compensate them, I think it's huge, and I think it does show a priority they have on the position. It probably helps with Cedric Baxter too, right? I mean. Yeah. Uh, Five-star running back from Orlando yeah. Edgewater, like the kid. Also, and he basically played receiver for a year and just he catches the ball extremely well. At, well. Let's circle back to the arch effect, right? He's the yeah. most known recruit ever. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll still stand by that. Yeah. Like everyone knows who he is. He made one tweet. It was this announcement. <laughs> now he's got how many followers does he have? Uh, the kids are going to re- recognize him. And, I don't think Texas finishes with the number three class if it isn't for Arch Manning. I don't think if we bust out the map, right, they get a five-star running back from Orlando and then a kid announcing in Hawaii. Yeah, he goes to school in Utah, but he's originally from Hawaii. I mean, it grew the brand coast to coast. And, yes, TV rights, all that is, is, is why these teams are jumping around, but it's also increased exposure. Look at UCLA getting Dante Moore from Detroit. Do they get that if they're not making that move eventually? I, I think that's where we're seeing conference realignment as well. It's expanding that footprint. We saw with Texas A&M, yeah, sure, some of that class is falling apart, but they were down in South Florida stealing Shamar Stewart yeah. last, last year. So something to think about with conference re- realignment. I, I think I mean, for Dante Moore, you get to tell your family, hey, I'm going to play four to five home games or road games rather. Right, in our backyard. Right, like, yeah. like they're drivable and uh, when it gets cold, Come out and see me in LA. Like that's yeah. not a bad combo. Get to play quarterback for Chip Kelly. You know, to Andrew's point, if you swap Dante Moore or you swap in, you know, Nico, the, the Tennessee commit, yep. I don't think Texas lands those kids. Like from a magnitude of commitment, Arch was almost like a six-star. You know, just earthquake. And it was just it was so big, everybody saw that. Like you're going to take Arch Manning's call, no matter who you're committed to. Like Bama, Bama commits will take his call. Georgia commits. Like they didn't flip all of them, but like. That is just, it matters so much because everybody knows who that is. Nobody else's uncles have their own version of Monday Night Football. <laughs> I remember getting recruited and I thought it was cool 
if Bobby Bowden called my house or, you know, Steve Spurrier called my house or Dennis Erickson or whoever, you know, whatever coach called, I didn't brag about any players that I was talking to, but I guarantee you players, if Arch Manning calls, they're probably like, hey, Arch, they don't care about Sark. They'd rather hear yeah. Yeah. from, it's a, it's a peer who has gained this level of you, you want, stardom. You yeah. want the photo next to him for your Instagram. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I think you are, I think you absolutely nail I think he is the most well-known recruit. Now, I don't know if he's the highest rated. Right. I don't right, know if right, I, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just saying. He's the most well-known recruit we've seen in college football history. We, we talked about this in the noon hour and appreciate all y'all tuning in. Check out the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel as well. But I think you have to take a look at what the other schools that were in pursuit of quarterbacks did this year. Like people in the chat can say, oh, Arch Manning shouldn't be number one. I mean, he's 6'4", 215. He has a really strong arm. He's seriously competitive. He's a multi-sport guy. He has very good bloodlines if you care about that, right? Like that seems to all matter. But I I looked at like, what did Bama Bama do? What did Georgia do? Like they all waited as long as they could. It does matter because we go back to this most recent NFL draft, the top three picks, two of the guys had – a relative that played on Sundays. It's yeah. the, it's the number one indicator. Yeah, yeah. And, and, coach's and, kid or bloodlines. You know, either way, those yeah. are always something they look for. But I mean, the resume he's thrown out of all of our blue chip quarterbacks, he's thrown more passes on Friday nights than any of them. He's completed more passes on Friday nights than any of them. And everyone wants to knock the competition. Oh, it's not the greatest of competition. Well, he's going out there, and he didn't throw a, a interception until the playoffs. So I think it was thirty-two to four interception to touchdown ratio. He also plays basketball. He's in the city of Palms classic right. last year. Like he's a really good athlete. And it's not like he's throwing to a bunch of guys and, who are going D one. Well, I almost, what I feel bad for him is I think the expectations are going to be so off the charts. It's right. going to be impossible to meet those. Right, right, right. And here's the thing. He's had that target on his back for yeah. a year now. And he hasn't he's faltered. He's probably yet. had it for four. I mean, I've heard his name for three yeah. or four years. Yeah. So he's had it ever since he's well, Matt Leinert's got a kid coming up as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I want to know if that's like Arch Madness too. Or he's big. Yeah, I, I saw him out there. And he's 11. a multi-sport athlete too. He's yeah. a good basketball player. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. So we talked about taking your photo with Arch Manning for Instagram. A school that has a coach now that's done a tremendous job on social media <laughs> is Colorado. So they made some noise today, but they didn't really like land a lot of stud. The, the, Dion definitely did not have so far. I mean, maybe he gets Cormani. He did not have that Travis Hunter level signing day flip. How do we judge what Colorado did today? I mean, I said this on Josh Pate's show last night, Late Kick, and I said Colorado football can clip me for all their socials because I said I don't think it's going to be this super exciting day. And and Prime obviously coached in that bowl game classic on Saturday, and then he took the private jet to, to Boulder, and they were going to have the biggest recruiting weekend ever. Well, none of those kids ended up at Colorado. We had Malachi Coleman, top two, four, seven athlete. He signs with Nebraska and Matt Rule. You had Vicari Swain. Um, Big-time kid out of Georgia, two-way athlete. I think he signed with South Carolina. I hope I'm, I hope I'm right on that. Jordan will correct us in the chat, Frogger. And then uh, Bo Hewley, uh, you know, Tracy offensive lineman from Georgia. He was out there. He sticks with Georgia. Tosulia Kana, he visits. So all these kids visits, but none of them, none of them stuck. And to me, it gets my head thinking. You know, was this the right spot for? Prime. I think maybe if he's at any of these other locations, it's, it's easier for some of these kids, right? Boulder, at the end of the day, is like a ski town, right? It is. It, it, it's far away. A lot of kids have never been there before. So, you know, we'll see what it looks like, how he finishes this cycle. Yes, Cormani could, could join it. We still got a February signing period. They're going to be great in the transfer portal. 
And then I, I think we judge him on what happens in the 2024 cycle. I think we judge him based on the transfer portal because I think that's what they need the most. I mean, we're talking about all these issues with high schoolers that jump from you know high school to college. That roster is one of the worst in all of college football. I mean, and he addressed that in his you know now famous <laughs> meeting. He needs to see turnover, but he also needs guys that at least have a baseline of okay, they played somewhere and they've made it and they've produced somewhat. And I think that's how he should judge Dion because I think that's that's going to be the key to a turnaround. And it's similar to what Mel Tucker did at Michigan State. Michigan State had a tradition. I mean, they were they were winning Rose Bowls just a few years before Mel Tucker gets over. Colorado's been irrelevant for 20 years. I don't know. I'm curious about the Boulder thing because, I mean, Jackson, I guess it's in the south, so you're closer to home. I think but now I've played in the NFL. Like, I've lived across the country, but I have to go back to my mind as a 17- or 18-year-old. I didn't choose to go to Michigan because it was too cold. I didn't choose to go to Washington because it was across the country. I stayed in state because it was comfortable, and I think that's what a lot of the decisions are based uh, based on. So I think that could impact. Well, I mean, Dion, he 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 got Travis Hunter, and I think Travis Hunter wanted to play for him. Yeah, and I think Travis Hunter was all about the HBCU movement. I think, and I you know I covered a Jackson State game when they played Florida A and M in the Orange Bowl Classic. You know, I, I saw the operation up front, but there really wasn't a ton of other high schoolers that jumped in the boat. So I just think it's something to think about, that Boulder location. Now, if you put him at USF, I think they would have had a monster day. Put him at Cincinnati, I think they would have had a monster day. But maybe it's a little bit more difficult than we initially thought when he took that job to get kids to Colorado. I also think, too, I mean, I I still don't know. I mean, based on the you know my experience, is recruiting is relational, right? Yeah. And you have coaches that spend years developing relations with play, relationship with players. And we've talked about this a little bit on the pod. The first-year coach, what a struggle it is in two to three weeks to pull together any yeah. class, let alone the challenges you're doing at Boulder. I think this is just kind of almost highlighting how hard it is. Even if you're Dion, even if you're Prime, you've got this brand, it's still going to be tough. You can't right. just say, right. you can't just call up, hey, I'm Prime, and the kids will be ready to go. It's going to take some time. Because relationships still matter yeah. in the NIL era. Right. And and look at what Alabama did today. Like kids want to play for Saban, and, yeah. and don't get me wrong, kids want to play for Prime. But Saban also has the resume with all the first round draft picks and built by Bama. You yeah. know, I, I I think that's still that stuff still matters to some families. I, I I agree with your point on USF, but I would agree with it more if Colorado had not waived their transfer restrictions. I, right. I, I think that's going to be so huge for Prime. I I, I know. The prior staff had a lot of problems getting kids in. Colorado would not stamp them academically for transfers. And now it appears just based on the number of kids that Colorado is offering for transfer, I, I think Prime is going to clean up in the portal. Yeah. And I like the higher you go, the harder it is to improve your roster via the portal. Right. right? Like Georgia took zero players in the portal last year because their roster, right. that is tough sweet. to crack. Yeah. You know, Michigan, I think, has what, one or two transfer portal starters. Ohio State has one or two. TCU has six. Colorado just went 1-11. Right. Look, part of the beauty of what Dion did at Jackson State was he took a lot of transfers. After Shador Sanders, his son, who is going to Colorado, by the way, the quarterback, got wrecked in last year's Celebration Bowl, Dion had come out and said, hey, we're going to improve this offensive line. We're going to get some production for Shador. He went out and got guys from like Louisiana Monroe, some of which who didn't even start, Louisiana Lafayette. like, And those dudes were really good in the SWAC. Well, the, the defense, like uh, the PFF, did their 
HBCU top graded out defenders and like Travis Hunter was one of them, but like Jackson State had four other guys on the list. Like yeah. the defense was good and it was a ton of transfers from other spots. And so I think if you have a one in eleven roster, I'm not saying that improving that team is easy, but I'm saying the the number of players who could make Colorado's roster better are like are there's a large number of those, mm-hmm. right? And so I think you could easily go from one and eleven. And I know they have a difficult schedule. I think they play Nebraska, Nebraska Colorado State, and, yeah. and Nevada. I think so. That that may help, but um, you could win four or five if you really run good, get lucky, maybe win six ball games. That's going to get Dion a lot of hype around him. Look, man, I took a one and eleven team to a bowl game or or, or, or damn near a bowl game. Like mm-hmm. that's there's an avenue here that he has a much better signing day on 2024, thanks to the work that they're going to do in the transfer portal over the next couple of weeks and then also in the post-spring portal. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, that's why I, I had low expectations for Dion. I think the portal is more important than the transfer portal. Top guys we're still waiting on. Cormani, Jordan Hall. He announces tomorrow. Announces tomorrow. Big-time defensive tackle out of Jacksonville. George is the favorite there. Yeah, we still I, think. I think George is going to get him. And then you got Desmond Ricks. Five-star corner reclassified, uh, reclassified. Excuse me, from twenty-four to twenty-three. That's a Bama, LSU, Florida battle. Conrad Hussey, top two-four-seven safety, goes to school right down the road. Won a state title last weekend right across the street from Likewise. our studio. Sounds Penn, like Florida State might. He didn't. He didn't sign already. I thought if he was going to go today, he would have been Florida State. I, I think Penn State's putting up quite a fight here, to be honest. Like they, they've had the longest relationship with him. He's been a long-time Penn State commit. I. I I wouldn't dismiss Penn State in that. I, Miami may be involved there. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, he did I, visit, right? Yeah, and then Jaden Bonsu, defensive back, that's committed to Ohio State. I don't think he has signed yet. Ohio State at the goal line with defensive backs. It's not been good in recent <laughs> years. They, man, I know. Like that, ever, ever since Jeff Halfley left, it's been. They lost Kay and Lee to Auburn last year. Who was it? Terrence Marshall yeah. or, or uh, Terrence um, Brooks? Terrence Brooks, Brooks excuse yeah. me. I got a lot of names. Clark mm-hmm. Phillips is another. Jordan Battle is another. Uh, DeAndre Moore. Longtime Louisville commit wide receiver from St. John Bosco. He's still in play. Texas buzz there. Mm-hmm. So there are some names still out there. But I would think it's like 95% of the top 247 is committed. Crazy. I don't know what we're going to talk about in February. Um, <laughs> maybe a little combo. I, I don't want to give away the, what we're going to do in case we have some competitors watching. By the way, A.J. Cornelius, the number one offensive tackle in the portal, goes to Oregon. So mm. Dan Lanning has an even better day. That's uh, just live there. In the chat, and that's uh, like that's a blow to Ohio State. That's a blow to Tennessee. Like Ohio State may need two tackles in the portal. Mm. You put him. Who, who are you getting? Jo- put him opposite to Josh Connerly, our, our number one offensive tackle from last cycle. Oregon cooking on the O line. They really are. They're, they're they're trying to build Georgia West. So, guys, stay tuned to the channel. Really appreciate you guys checking out this Cover Three podcast signing day recap, and we'll join y'all again with some bowl locks coming up. We got the. National championship. You're going to join us for those? You've been talking about I, I, I might. I mean, you know, I kind of, yeah. All right. I'll, are we doing it tomorrow? So. It's, like, it's, it's like betting preseason, right? It is. It is. That's why he ducks out. He doesn't want to hurt his record. All right. Maybe I'll join us for the car tomorrow. I'll stick around. We'll see. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you back again here on Cover Podcast.